Good day, poker peeps. My name is Sky from Smart Poker Study, and I'm happy that you chose to spend some study time with me. I'm here to help you make money in online poker by teaching you key strategies and action taking. So I really like episodes like this one today. Specifically, we're going to be talking about planning for the future. But I really like it when real life things kind of intersect with poker. They get my mind churning and give me a really good idea for a podcast episode. And something that happened to me in my life just really got me thinking about planning for the future and making good choices now so that you put yourself in winning situations later on. So that's what we're diving into with this episode. Now, in the episode that you're about to hear, I cover six different hands. We go through some planning, pre-flop and post-flop stages of these six different hands. I do my best in the audio to explain what's going on, but it really does help if you watch the hands play out. So go to the show notes page, smartpokerstudy.com slash pod428. At the top of that page is the video version of this podcast, which is up on my YouTube channel at Smart Poker Study. Um, the goal, of course, is that this audio podcast is enough for you to learn from and that you to help you visualize the hands and the strategies that I'm talking about. But of course, seeing the visual along with hearing my words, that might make it a little bit easier to learn from this episode. Once again, show notes page, smartpokerstudy.com slash pod428. Okay, without further ado, we're doing this. Gambate! I'm a college man! I won't need my high school diploma anymore! I am too smart! I am too smart! I am too smart! I am too smart! S-M-R-T! I mean S-M-A-R-R-T! The idea for this podcast came from a food poisoning scare last week on Friday. In the morning, woke up, and I wanted a BLT, a bacon, lettuce, tomato sandwich, for lunch that day. So, went to the freezer in the garage pulled out a package of frozen bacon to cook for myself at lunch, right? My my wife was going to work, the kids were going to school, so it was just me for lunch. Pulled it out of the freezer, but I left it on the counter next to the freezer in the garage. In my mind, I, I should have brought it in and put it in the fridge, right, to defrost in the fridge. That was the goal, but I left it behind for some stupid reason. Um, six hours later, at roughly noon or one o'clock right around there, I said, okay, it's time to make my BLT sandwich. So I go to the fridge, open it up, no bacon. Oh crap, where's the bacon? Didn't I pull it out? Went to the garage, found it right there on the counter. And I felt it and it felt like kind of cold still, right? Like, and I thought to myself, well, it should be safe. It's like 40 degrees outside. This bacon should be fine. The garage is warmer, right? Than, than outside. I thought it should be fine. So I said, you know, I'm just going to cook it. It's fine. It's just bacon. It's not like chicken that's been left out. That was what was going through my head. Um, so I'll be fine and I'll go ahead and cook it. I cooked it. I ate my BLT. Love the sandwich. Extra bacon, of course, and a BLT, right? About a half pound of bacon. I used half of the package. Um, but here's the thing. I've given myself food poisoning before. I left chicken out too long. I cooked it. I was the only one who ate it. Thankfully, the rest of the family didn't get food poisoning from it. But oh my God, if you've ever experienced food poisoning, it is some of the worst pain ever in your intestines, all your whole nether region. You just don't, you don't want to do anything. You can't even watch your favorite movie. Like I can't even put on space balls and watch it because my mind, I just don't even want to think about anything. I just want to curl in bed and die. That's what it feels like, right? Well, when I cooked that bacon, I should have thought about that food poisoning I felt and suffered through before because after cooking it and eating it, by about three o'clock or so, my mind started churning and thinking, oh my God, what if I gave myself food poisoning? 
What if I let that bacon sit out too long and the bacteria developed and I'm giving myself food poisoning? Oh my God. And I know that food poisoning can hit anywhere from like six to like 18, 12, 18 hours later in that time frame. So from three o'clock when I started worrying about giving myself food poisoning, um, I couldn't think about anything. I didn't even eat dinner that night. I cooked dinner for the family and ate one or two bites, but I was so worried about food poisoning, couldn't eat. When it came time to go to bed about nine o'clock, I couldn't sleep. I, I stayed up all the way until midnight, just laying in bed, trying to sleep, fitful sleep all the way until 5 a.m. until finally I could felt like, okay, it's been so long, I'm not going to get sick. But here's the thing. I should have seen it coming and made a better decision. That frozen bacon, my wife buys it from Costco, $15, five packs, so like three bucks a pack, three bucks a pound, something like that. Um, I should have thrown it away, right? I should have realized that after eating it, I'm going to be worried for the next 6, 10, 12 hours afterwards. And I'm just not going to be able to think. I'm not going to be able to... Um, uh, to do anything because I'm just worried about getting sick. I'm worried about that pain, feeling that food poisoning pain again. So it would have been so much better. I should have seen all those um, anxiety issues coming, should have thrown that bacon away, just whipped out a new package, put it under water for 10 minutes, and it would have thawed out enough for me to cook it, right? And it would have been a $3 waste, that little bit of bacon. But I should have seen it coming, and that was so stupid. Now, you might be thinking, Sky, what does this have to do with poker? Well, really, it has everything to do with poker. Your decisions pre-flop affect what uh, the situation you're in and your decisions on the flop. Flop affects turn, turn, river, and so on, right? It's not like, oh, I got King Jack suited. I'm going to open raise. That's not it at all. Like that, that your mind should be thinking about more than just this instant right now. Sure, I got King Jack suited. That's worthy of open raising in the cutoff, right? But what is that button player going to do? Does he like to three bet? Does he love to call? What about those two blind players? Most likely they're going to be the ones to call. But if that button player who loves to call, if he calls, whoa, that small blind player loves to three bet squeeze. My open might see a call and then face a three bet squeeze to which I'll have to fold. Like looking forward to the future, realizing that like Maximus says in, um, uh, in Gladiator, right? What we do now echoes in eternity. Well, what you do pre-flop echoes on the flop. Actually, it echoes later on the flop, right? Or or pre-flop. Your open raise uh, incentivizes the other players to do whatever they want, but they still have options to play before you even see the flop, right? So let's get to discussing about planning pre-flop. All right, so when it comes to pre-flop planning, a critical idea is if I enter the pot, what situation am I getting myself into because you're not just playing like you could see there's a hand on the screen right now i got pocket sevens in the cutoff the mp decides to fold great it's on me pocket sevens in the cutoff no brainer open raise no brainer right but let's use more of our brain right let's make a brainer decision here before we open raise right who's likely to call so look ahead at your other opponents well this player one, he calls 11%, only one out of nine. The player in the small blind, 33%, one out of three. The player in the big blind, ah, so far, seven opportunities to call, hasn't called at all. So the most likely caller might be the small blind player, right? So start thinking ahead, thinking about who's going to enter the pot against you. Because sure, like I said, sevens are a great open raising hand, which I do. But now I've got three opponents, the button, the small blind, and the big blind. They have some kind of options available. They can fold, they can call, they can raise me right here, right? Another question you want to ask yourself before you raise, or ask yourself, if I raise, who's likely to three bet? Let's take a look at these players. 
The button player, seat one right here, ooh, he three bets at 11%. It's only one out of nine, but he's shown that he's capable of three betting in the past. Ah, the player in the small blind, he's three bet one out of three right here. The player in the big blind, no three bets yet. So these two players, the button and the small blind, at least based on their prior tendencies, small sample size, but they've shown the ability to three bet in the past. But here's an interesting thing. When you're looking to the future, you also sometimes want to think about what happened in the past. We opened raised with pocket sevens. You could see we folded. The smart HUD shows you this. I folded to a three bet after raising one time in the past, one out of one opportunities for 100%. The player that three bet me was this button player one. He three bet me once. It was one out of nine opportunities, and I folded that one time, right? So I'm thinking ahead to their tendencies, what's likely going to happen to their three betting. You also want to think about their post-flop tendencies. If the player on the button calls or on the big blind, hey, that's not so bad. So far on the flop, they fold 100%, um, two out of two and one out of one. I have a pretty good bluffing opportunity set up for myself so far after raising if one of these two players calls, right? But here's the thing. Before you make your race, make a plan for what you're what you're going to do on the flop if opponents call and what you're going to do versus a three bet. Like I said, the button player three bet me in the past and he comes in with the same size as before. Nine big blind three bet against me. The Both of the blinds fold and I had this plan ahead of time. I've got the pocket sevens, but this guy three bet bluffed me in the past. I'm just going to stick it in his face right now. I'm not going to give him the opportunity. I'm not just going to uh, call and then fold to his C-bet on the flop. With pocket sevens, I'm most likely check folding out of position on the flop, right? So what I decide to do is I'm just going to assume that right now, this three bet for nine big blinds, the same situation as before. I open in the cutoff, he three bets, I fold. He's doing the same thing, trying to pick up a simple three big blinds on me. I say, screw you, buddy. I go in over the top, I shove, and he makes a quick fold. But I only made that play because I planned this out ahead of time. I knew I was in the same spot as before, and I'm just taking advantage of his tendencies right here. Now, if he happened to have a great hand like pocket kings, well, that's a bummer. I'm a 80-20 dog or 20 to 80% dog right there, right? That's a bummer. But if he has ace-king, ace-queen, ace-jack and decides to call, um, then hey, I mean, I got about a 50-50 chop right there. So I felt that he's folding most of his hands, 95% of his three betting hands, he's going to fold right here. I thought this was a very good bluff. But like I said, I planned ahead because I was looking to the future or I planned ahead of time because I was looking to the future before actually making this play. All right, so a second hand for planning pre-flop, right? We've got the pocket eight, same position in the cutoff right here. Um, both the EP players, EP and MP, fold. It's up to me. Now, pocket sevens, no-brainer, open raise. But right here, pocket eights, also no-brainer, open raise. But we want to think ahead. Let's use our brain right now. Who's the most likely caller? Well, the button is an 11-11, not a likely caller. He hasn't called yet. The small blind is a 17-2. The smart HUD shows us this. And he's only called 14% so far. Probably not calling. But this player in the big blind, 77 big blind stack, 48-17, calls 56% of the time so far. Most likely, he's going to call. So I know that he's my most likely caller. If I open raise, and I do, I make it three big blinds right here. But that's a great thing. If he calls, look it, he folds on the flop 75% of the time. That's an awesome spot to put myself in. I raise, he calls, I see bit bluff, he folds, easy pot on the flop, right? But let's see what happens here. The button folds. Uh, remember, I made it three big blinds with pocket eights in the cutoff. Button folds. 
the small blind decides to call. And that incentivizes this 48-17 big blind. He makes a three bet to five big blinds. Now, this is a min three bet squeeze, right? One of the great things about when you're playing poker, especially online poker, when action comes back to you and it's your turn to play, three buttons pop up at the bottom of the table. Those are your options. Those options are your friends. When he makes his three bet, the fold button uh, shows itself. The call button and the raise button shows shows itself. Now it's up to you in the moment to make to make a plan to decide which is the best play. Should I fold my pocket eights for two more big blinds with another player still to act in the small blind? Should I just call to see a flop in the best position against the two blinds? Or should I four bet? Now here's the thing. I know that if I call, I've only got pocket eights, I'm most likely going to miss a set. That flop is going to come ace, king, queen, jack, 10, 9 high, and I'm often just going to fold if he decides to c-bet, right? So I call another two big blinds only to fold, I don't know, 80, 70% of the time on the flop, potentially, against a three-better. What I like instead, remember, you got those options that pop up, fold, call, and raise. I got the pocket eights. I'm in the best position. There's only two more big blinds. I don't like folding. I don't like calling either because, like I said, I'm going to fold on most flops. But what about raising? Is four betting a valid play here? And I say yes, it is. Because if I four bet and I show that I'm really interested in this pot, I have a strong hand, the small blind, the first caller, is probably going to fold. That's going to make me heads up with the big blind again. And once again, just like I said earlier, when he calls two bets, he folds versus C bet 75% of the time. That's awesome. If I four bet right now, he's probably just going to call. Um, and then I could just see bet bluff on the flop, right? What an awesome play to make. So I made it to nine big blinds. I didn't go over the top, make it 15. I figured nine would be good enough to get the small blind to fold. And he did. And it's just enough to get that big blind to call with a really wide range, a range that he's very capable of folding on the flop. He just calls in the big blind. So the pot is 21 big blinds. I'm in position with pocket eights. The flop comes down ace, 10, seven, rainbow. Loving this flop. My re-raise easily reps pocket aces, ace, king, ace, queen, pocket kings, queens, like really strong hands right there, right? He checks, giving me the perfect opportunity to see bet bluff with my pocket eights. Sure, I have a showdown hand, but I don't want to see any other cards come. I'd rather just end this hand now, pick up the 21 big blind pot. So I bet 10 big blinds, roughly half pot, and boom, he folds. So my plan, by looking ahead to the future, I realized that four betting is going to put me in a better spot than calling. So I made the four bet and took down a nice pot because of it. Now, in the past few hand examples, you heard me mention the smart HUD for Poker Tracker 4 and how I use it to understand my opponent's tendencies and then plan for the hand, make exploits against my opponents. Well, you can get the smart HUD for yourself. It's the best HUD. My personal made smart HUD, 16 elements to the HUD, seven different custom pop-ups. Plus, it comes with a 75-minute webinar showing you how to use the smart HUD. You can get it for yourself by going to smartpokerstudy.com slash smarthud. And I have to thank these recent buyers of the smarthud. Alexander, David Cassidy, Travis Bowe, Brendan Rojas, Crawford Parrot, Michael Walker, Raymond Fairclough, Matthew Tomasiello, Matt Wires, George Scrypeck, Joseph Restoro, Dalton Pester, Daniel Palis, Sebastian Rio, Salvatore Garozzo. I know, we're still going here. Renee ML Arno. Eric, Sergey, Timo Truma, Sean Gentilla, and Stephen Horvath. Thank you all so much. You went to smartpokerstudy.com slash smarthud, saw what the HUD was all about, and you picked it up, and now you're dominating your opponents. I appreciate the support.
All right, so another pre-flop area that we need to plan for is what's gonna happen after we call, right? So in this hand, you can see I've got ace, queen, offsuit in the cutoff once again. EP folds, MP decides to open raise. Now the MP is a 26-26 player, very aggressive. He's three bet at 20%. It's only one out of five, but he hasn't made any calls pre-flop and he's only raised first in 25% of the time, right? This guy loves playing hands. He probably has a wide range right here in the MP. And the smart HUD tells me all this. I understand this player. That's why he's color-coded orange, loose, aggressive style player, right? Now, before you make a call, you want to think about, okay, if I call, who else will call? Take a look around. This guy calls 25%, 13%, no calls yet out of the big blind. So one or two other potential callers right here. So I might be going multi-way with an ace-queen. Not the end of the world. Ace-queen's a great hand, but maybe... Mm, maybe I'd prefer limiting those multi-way opportunities and just re-raise here to try to get this initial loose aggressive player heads up against myself, right? The other thing to ask before you call, <gasps> if I call, who's likely to three bet squeeze? Because as you know, three bets are the bane of two bets. You hate facing them, whether you were the two better or you were the, uh, the first caller because you don't want to face that three bet squeeze, right? So before I make this call, I should look around and realize... Whoa, I'm in the cutoff. The button player has position on me. He's three bet at 13%. It is only one out of eight. It's a small sample, but he's a 44-28 player. He's in the best position. He has a great opportunity to three bet squeeze. And I don't really want to face a squeeze. I mean, I've got ace queen offsuit. That's good. But if I decide to call, um, I'm just going to end up uh, folding on most flops when I don't hit any kind of a pair, right? I'd rather be the one putting the aggression uh, against my opponent's. Another player in the small blind, 100 big blind stack, 24-18. He's three bet in the past, 13%, one out of eight. He's capable of squeezing as well. So by calling here, I risk facing that three bet. But, you know, sometimes you want to call just to underrep your hand. Maybe the initial raiser will never put me on an ace queen. So maybe that was my goal when I made this call right here. But really, I think three betting would have been better. What happened was I called, the button folded, the small blind squeezed to 16 big blinds, and everybody folded. Now, who knows what he had? Maybe he had pocket aces or kings, and he wasn't going to fold. And if I three bet, he would have four bet. But I really like the idea. I would have been better off three betting rather than facing his squeeze and having to fold because he made it such a big size. If I would have called that additional 16 or additional 13 big blinds, that pot would have been 36 big blinds. I only had 94 behind. He only had 87 behind. Less than a three to one stack to pot ratio. Really tough. I, I don't have much room to maneuver post flop. So I'm happy I folded versus the th versus that three bet. But I would have rather been the three better, putting the pressure back on the MP player, playing heads up and just going post flop with ace queen in the best position. Alrighty. So sometimes calling to set mine and risking facing a three bet is a totally valid play. In this hand right here, I've got pocket sixes in the cutoff again. The EP decides to fold. The MP open raises to just 2.4 big blinds. He's a 21-16 tight aggressive player. In the MP, he probably has a 12 to 15% open raising range. So on the tighter side, the best broadways, the best pairs, suited aces, things like that. I have pocket sixes. Now, I love the idea of set mining uh, to just try to hit a set versus a tight aggressive player because if I hit my set, there's a good chance. He has 119 big blinds behind. I have 125. 
I'm going to be earning a lot of chips if I hit the set. So there's a lot of implied odds, all the reason in the world to call. But there's one reason to fold, and that's why it's critical to plan and look ahead to see, oh, if I call, who else can call? If I call, who can three bet me? Well, boom, on the button, an 85-62 player. Yeah, the smart HUD is telling me I have a maniac in position on me. He's three bet so far 43% of the times uh of the time, three out of seven opportunities. I'm pretty sure that my call is gonna elicit a three bet with anything decent that he has. Anything that he wants to play, he's going to three bet. But I think it's worth the risk of facing his three bet and being forced to fold. And that's my plan too. If he three bets to any reasonable size, I'm just out of there. I'm not gonna set mine versus a short stack. The implied odds just aren't there, right? So he decides to three bet and he makes it 11 big blinds. Now, making it bigger like this, it's actually a good indication that he has a very strong hand at this point because maniac players who three bet a ton, they're gonna go smaller with their bluff, seven, eight big blinds, maybe nine. 11 totally reads for strength. Everybody folds. I fold as well. I could have called a set mine versus a strong range, but here's the thing. He only has 62 big blinds behind. If I call, that flop's going to be 26 big blinds. It's going to be hard to get them off. I'm probably just going to check fold most flops. I'd rather just exit. So sometimes it's totally cool to, to make a call pre-flop, but still look ahead and plan for the other players who could three-bet squeeze you. Alrighty, so now it's time to talk about flop, turn, and river planning, that post-flop part of the game, right? You always want to think about what's that next street going to look like. When you're pre-flop, you think about the flop. Flop the turn. Turn the river. Always think about that. You also want to think about your opponent's tendencies, and that's one of the reasons why I play online poker. I use my smart HUD for Poker Tracker 4. Absolutely love how the HUD gives me statistics on my opponent's tendencies, so I have a good read on what they're generally capable of doing, and then I make plans to exploit those plays, as you will see in this hand right here. You also want to think on the flop, oh, what turn cards are good or bad for me or for his range? On the turn, think about what river cards are good or bad for you. Those are also going to help you make better decisions in the now to avoid tough spots in the future. So let's take a look at this hand. We have eight, seven offsuit, six max, EP folds, MP, 18 slash 16, tight aggressive player. He just min raises to two big blinds. The cutoff folds, the button folds, small blind folds. It's on me. Now, if you've ever seen my KISS cash game ranges, you know that 8-7 offsuit is outside of the ranges. I generally don't call. But I'm planning to the future. I'm looking ahead. Look at this player right here. He C-bets the flop 67% of the time. Four out of six. It's a pretty good tendency that's saying that, hey, he loves C-betting flops, right? Which means he has a lot of bluffs in his C-bets right there. Oh, but look at this on the turn. So far, his C-bet is zero out of two, zero percent on the turn. Super turn honest player. So my plan right now, like his stats give me a very easy plan. I'm going to call, call flop, and then as soon as he checks turn, boom, I'm going to bet river as a bluff, right? Because 8-7 offsuit, most likely I'm going to have to bluff to win the pot, you know? So I decide to call in the big blind with 8-7 off. I give uh, the 18-16 player position against me. Flop comes down ace, eight, three, rainbow. So I flopped second pair on an ace high board. I'm going through with my plan right here. I have some showdown value, so check calling is absolutely fine. But I want to basically just utilize my plan against him. I check, 
And now he comes out for one third pot, 1.5 big blinds into the 4.5 big blind pot. Smells like weakness. I have a decent showdown value hand, but I see no reason to raise right now because he's displayed his turn honesty in the past. I'd rather just call this small bet with showdown value. And then when he checks the turn, I can assess on the river, right? So I decide to call. The pot on the turn is now 7.5 big blinds and a five hits. Doesn't help me, probably doesn't help his range at all, right? I would have been scared on a king, queen, a jack, a 10, kind of like a high card on the turn because he easily has those in his bluffing range on the flop, right? But that five isn't necessarily scary. I might check call another small one-third pot bet, right? Even though he's turn honest, if he bets small again, it could be weakness. He could double barrel with like a king high or a queen high hand, right? So after the five hits, I check. And he bets now 5.4 big blinds into the 7.5 big blind pot. Roughly 70%, somewhere right around there. This guy means business. He has an ace. He loves his hand right now. Now, you could say, Sky, you have some showdown value. Even if you put him on an ace, um, you have a potential, you have an 8-7 with a pair of eights, you could hit a seven for two pair and eight for trips. Yeah, sure, I have those, but that's only five outs. It only hits 10% of the time on the river. I need mathematically, and Poker Tracker 4 shows this, to call 5.4 to win a total pot of what will be 18.3 big blinds. I need 30% equity. I only have a 10% chance to improve my hand. Screw that, I am out of here. So I had my plan in place. And I didn't follow through with my plan because he went against his tendencies. I'm paying attention to those HUD stats. Look into the future. I know he's turned on us. He bets 70% pot right now. He loves his hand. Super easy fold because I planned for this ahead of time. Alrighty, another example of flop, turn, and river planning right here. I've got the queen eight suited on the button. EP folds. It's a six max game, but there's one player missing. Uh, EP or MP folds. The cutoff limps. Now this player is a 29 slash 10. I know this player, super mega fish. He limps 22% of the time, limps calls 57% of the time. So when I have my queen eight suited, I don't want to limp behind. Like I always want to be the aggressor because look at this player. He folds flop 24%, folds turn versus c-bets 14%. He loves calling, hates folding. If I hit anything good with the queen eight suited, I can go for a lot of value versus a player who hates folding. But it also means I'm probably not going to be bluffing because, hey, he does not like to fold. Why would I bluff him? I'm just trying to put myself in a value situation versus this limpy fish. So I decide to min raise. I only go three. I only have the queen eight suited. I'm kind of thinking, ah, I just want to... Uh, be the pre-flop raiser, get to the flop, isolating this cutoff fish, but I don't want to commit too many chips right now. So I go smaller than I usually would, but I make it three and it works. The blinds both fold and the limper decides to limp call, making that pot 7.5 big blinds on the flop. I got queen eight in position against him. Now, the flop comes down jack, jack, four with two clubs. I have the queen eight of hearts, so I don't have a flush draw at all. So I basically whiff this board. I have one queen over card. I have an eight with a couple of jacks. I guess I have a backdoor straight draw and three outs to an overpair queen, but I don't have much at all, right? But this player um, who c-bets the flop 85%, when it comes to uh, donk betting out of position, the, the smart HUD tells me this, he donk bets 21% on the flop, four out of 19. Totally capable of bluffing flops. 
And Heat Dog bets one into 7.5. And I just smell super weakness right here. I'm not necessarily calling to try to hit a queen or an eight. I mean, that's that's good. If I hit a queen or eight on the queen or an eight on the turn, those are good cards for me. I'll be able to now bet if he donk bets again one big blind or bet if he checks for value, that kind of a thing. But I'm just keeping myself in this pot versus a total fish who is displaying weakness right now with the one big blind donk. So I call with my queen eight. Um the turn pot is 9.5 big blinds. Jack, jack, four, deuce with two clubs. I've got the queen eight. Now he donk bets again on the turn for only two big blinds into a 9.5 big blind pot. I still, once again, suspect total weakness. The plan is just to call, and hopefully I hit a queen or an eight for some value on the river. But if not, I'm just going to bet when he checks on the river. If we take a look at another stat, like I said, we're always looking to the future, right? The um, his river bet is only 15%, four out of 27. He doesn't bet rivers that often. So if he bets big on the river, I can make an easy fold. If he checked, which I suspect he'll do, I can bet to take it down. I call the river pot is 13.5. It's an ace on the river. And he checks to me. Awesome. I guarantee, I know this player. If he had an ace, he would bet for value. He does not have an ace. I come in for what looks like just a value bet. Like I had an ace the whole way. I hit the ace on the river, bet half pot um, on the ace, and he folds. But I basically just utilized um, a good board card, the ace on the river, right? As well as I just suspected weakness. So I just stayed in uh, to give myself the chance to bet when he checked and it worked. But it all came about just because of planning. I guarantee I wasn't just calling one big blind on the flop for no reason, calling two on the turn for no reason. No, no, no. I had that reason. Bet when he checks on that river, which he's likely to do. Alrighty, so I have done enough talking. It's time for you to take action. The first thing, please give this video a thumbs up if you've enjoyed it, if you've learned a little something from it. The second thing, I want you to take action and play with purpose. Over the next five days, play just one or two tables per day. But your goal is to plan for right now, plan for the future, pre-flop plan for the flop, flop plan for the turn. Your goal is to plan every single hand that you play. Pre-flop, ask yourself, what situation am I getting to? If I call, what's going to happen for the rest of the hand? If I call and see the flop, what's going to happen there? How can I exploit my opponent? Plan ahead for the future. Post-flop, what's the next street going to look like? What is my opponent capable of doing on the next street? What cards do I want to see? What cards would I hate to see? All that jazz. Force yourself to plan every single hand that you play over the next five days, one to two tables at a time. Now, you're also going to study with purpose over the next five days. Go through your database in Poker Tracker 4 and find 10 hands per day that you're going to review. Some big losers, some big winners as well, because you're going to learn from some of those winning hands. But you also might find that you made a mistake here or there in those winning hands as well. You want to find hands that went to showdown, big big winners and big losers, like I said, because you want to see what your opponent had through the street. So you want to see that showdown. As you're reviewing those hands, plan each street. If you find yourself calling with ace-jack suited in the cutoff, ask yourself, oh, why didn't I three-bet? What could have happened on the flop if I had three-bet? If I three-bet with ace-jack, would they have just folded and I would have won the hand right there? I don't know. That's up to you. Ask yourself those questions. Figure out what uh, you missed in the hand, what mistakes you made. Take note of those mistakes in your poker journal, and that's going to help you turn yourself into the player that you want to be.